Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. Amen. Philippians chapter 2 is where we're going to start. Lord, we love you. We thank you for our time together. I pray that you would bless this Bible study. Help us, O oh God, as we continue forward in this series, that the people would be strengthened, the body would be edified, your name would be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord on this Wednesday night. It's exciting, all of our different classes that are taking place, those that are around the building tonight, and we are moving forward in our Made for More series. Again, as you see there, and you're reminded, this series comes from a book by Pastor Brian Kinsey, Made for More, on the strategies for uh, being able to reach your full potential in God. And, you know, how many know it's just work? <laughs> it's, just, it's just work to be what God wants us to be. Some people think, well, if you, if you just pray. Well, you do have to pray, but it takes more than prayer. All right? It takes more than prayer. It takes, uh, it takes a lot of things. So we're going to work tonight on what it means to accept personal responsibility and take spiritual authority. Have to do both of those things. Accept personal responsibility and take spiritual authority. Philippians chapter 2, you see there what has been written. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only... But now, much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. We discussed this last week. It's God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Look at this, look at this uh, statement that's there. Change always takes longer and requires more effort than we expect. However, Scripture teaches the principle that we must take ownership Though at times you cannot control what happens to you, you can control how you respond to it. And isn't that the truth? Part of our integrity is how we respond to what happens to us, whether it seems fair or not. <clears throat> Galatians chapter 6. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. We often pull this text apart, but it, it really will help us if we frame it together, okay? And we bring all of this together. God is not mocked. Whatever a man soweth, he's going to reap. We got to remember, though, don't be weary in well-doing. 
Because sometimes we think, well, I didn't do it. I, 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 I chose integrity. I, I chose godliness. I wanted to be blessed, Brother May. What a great job you did tonight, Brother May. Just fantastic. I, I wanted to be blessed. I heard, I heard him get up and speak, and so I, I invested properly. But seed doesn't turn into plant overnight. It's a process. It's a process. So let's walk through four concepts of the acceptance of personal responsibility. Number one, self-leadership. Master your mind by finding the mind of Christ. Turn in your Bible to Romans chapter 12, verse 2, and I think they're going to display it here on the screen. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing, renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The renewing of your mind might need to happen every day. <clears throat> How many have needed a little bit of that even between Sunday night and now? <laughs> Go ahead and lift your hand because it was the majority of people in this room. How's that possible? I mean, we were floating on clouds and tiptoeing through glory on Sunday. How's it possible that we would need a renewed mind? Because none of you Enoched out of here. <clears throat> Took some longer than others to catch that. You walked out of here in flesh and by Monday night, Probably by Monday night, most of us needed this. I've got to have my mind renewed. So here's a part of it. Eliminate the negative self-talk. This is something we're going to have to revisit just ever so often. Eliminate the negative self-talk and accept God's judgment of you. Not your judgment of you. Not their judgment of you. God's judgment of you. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. We're perfect. No, we're not. <laughs> we're a mess. Okay? Or I'm a mess. Maybe you're perfect. They're not. They're not perfect. The Spirit itself, though, it beareth witness with our spirit. We are the children of God. And we will protect our children. Even when our children are a mess, we will protect our children. Okay? Self-leadership says choose good companions. Choose good people to hang around. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sitteth in the way of the sinners, or sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. Surround yourself with godly people if you want to be godly. Surround yourself with positive people if you want to be positive. Surround yourself with downers if you want to be a downer. <clears throat> D, flee from self-pity. Boy, this is a big one. This is a big one. We don't talk about it. But some people are more prone than others to give, be given to self-pity. I'm not talking about authority 
from outside leadership. I'm talking right here, point one on self-leadership. We as individuals have to flee from self-pity. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. If you wake up and the water's not working, okay, you wake up and they spilled the whole gallon of milk is just poured all over the floor. You got all these thoughts that could send you to prison. Go out to get into the vehicle and you're running late. Turn the car on and there's no gas. Oh, you, feel, you hear that? You hear that moan? And then God forbid it's Monday on top of it. See what you're feeling there? How many know we can all dive into self-pity? But listen, self-pity is paralyzing. Some of you need to write that down or underline that there on the paper and you need to know that. Self-pity is paralyzing. Some people treat self-pity like a hog treats mud. Just wallowing in it. But I tell you how you banish that is give God praise. Number two, self-motivation. Vision in your life must be a divine perspective of or on your life. Let me say this. We talk a lot about vision from the church, and I, I appreciate the opportunity to cast vision. We talked about pursuing God a few weeks ago and casting vision for the year. But please hear this. You need to know God's vision not just for the church. You need to know God's vision for you. Pastor, tell me what God wants to do with me. 99% of the time I'm going to look back and say, you tell me. What has God been telling you in your times of devotion? What is God speaking to your time during your fasting? During Well, let me go back and get <laughs> devotion and fasting. I'll come tell you. It's a process, isn't it? It's a process for me, just like it's a process for you. But you've got to have a vision for your life. B, habits are necessary for reaching that goal, that vision. You see it there in Habakkuk chapter 2. The Lord answered me and said, write the vision. Make it plain upon the tables that he may run that readeth it. It needs to be clear, okay? Make your habits smart. Many of you have lived by this in business and in, in different areas, but I spelled this out here, smart. Make them specific, measurable, actionable, realistic, and time-bound. Say, Pastor, that, I don't know. That just seems like something practical. That's not real biblical. Listen to me now. Spiritual and practical got to hold hands. They got to come together to make this happen. So they need to be smart. Smart happen. Smart habits. I, I, you'll see the strike through intentionally here. These are the kind of prayers or statements we make about vision. I'm going to spend more time with God. And we're sincere. But if we don't clearly define it, if we don't clearly define it's like telling a friend you see, Hey, let's, let's get together. Let's get together soon. What happens? Six months later, you run into them. A year later. And if you're not careful, what do we do? Hey, let's get together soon. Now, if it's someone you don't really want to get together with, that's a great plan. Hey, 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 
Let's get together sometime. But if you want to be intentional, that's why we're doing the Saturday snapshots and doing some teaching and training. And you get someone started in the dialogue of a Bible study. Man, you got to be ready. you got to be ready to act. And it's not, hey, let's get together sometime and share the word. I'm coming out of the gate with, I have Tuesday at 7 and I have Thursday at 7 available. Which one works? <laughs> it's like, wow, that's aggressive. No, it's intentional. Okay? When it comes to your prayer time with God, you'll see the example that's there. So I'm going to get up. I'm going to pull that devotional up. Maybe on your phone, you're going to go to Our Daily Bread or version or something like that. Or maybe you have your Bible laid open. Depends on where you're level of spiritual maturity or what your process is. And from 7 to 7.15 a.m., that's what you're going to do. Some of you don't know there is a 7 a.m. So maybe it's, maybe it's 7 to 7.15 p.m., whatever it is. But make sure it's your time, okay? I love this old song. It'd be a, a great one maybe to YouTube or to look up. I, I, I haven't heard it for many years. There's this great song. In fact, when I was in IBC, I heard it for the first time um, young girl from Ohio got up and tried out for corral with it and the song was um, a letter from God and the words were uh, something to the effect of I miss my time with you the time we would just be together and if we're not we're not careful we will discount our time with God because we have not simply built in a good habit for that but we cannot be the best version of ourselves brother Turner Talking about intercession a few weeks ago, such a powerful lesson. I watched that remotely and, and, and listened to that. Such a powerful lesson. But I, I can't be an intercessor. I can't reach for the needs of others if I'm not intentional about carving out time with God. I can't expect Him to use me if I can't be intentional about my time with Him. And I don't think that intercession is just for our elders. I don't think intercession is just for our middle-aged. I think intercession is for every child of God. We've got to be intentional at that time. Number three, self-discipline. Again, we're looking at these concepts here for the acceptance of personal responsibility. Self-discipline, there's got to be a guarding of yourself and your actions to guard being pulled away from God's plan over your life. Proverbs 25 and 28, he that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. I can't help myself. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You can help yourself. You can. No, I can. No, ah, they made me so mad. You chose to get mad. You ch now listen, I get, I've got mad. I'm not without, okay? My wife, my wife can tell you I'm not, I'm, I'm not perfect. But listen, ladies and gentlemen, you, you got a choice. You got a choice. You got a choice how you talk to your spouse. You've got a choice how you talk to your friends. You've got a choice, actually, you've got a choice how you talk about your boss when they walk away. <laughs> Take small actions for the needed result. Let's look at Proverbs 20, verse 4. Is that up there? The sluggard will... Not plow by reason of the cold, therefore shall he beg in harvest and have nothing. Now let's look at that in contrast to the next verse. He that gathereth in summer is wise son, but he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causeth shame. Really, you decide. 
At the end of the day, you decide. Either you're going to be the person that doesn't want to work and then wants to come begging, or you're going to be the person that does put the time in and then has the abundance. Now, are there hardships? Are there things that are unaccounted for? Does life happen? Yes, I understand this. This is a proverb. It is a principle. And here's what it's saying. Work. (laughs) Give it your best. Be self-disciplined. Take those small actions, okay? How about this? Make no excuses. Is there anyone in here that, that you just would go on record tonight and one of your number one pet peeves is excuses? Just come on, go ahead. Raise your hand real high. It's like if anything gets you in your life, it's I was going to. And for some of you, let me take that the next step with excuses. The number one thing that gets you is not just the excuse, but when they excuse it off onto someone else. Hmm. You got to be careful if you're a person that gives ear to that because before long they will excuse it off onto you. Okay? Take excuses out of your life. People who make excuses always have a reason why today is not the day. Look at Proverbs 22 and verse 13. This lawful man says, There is a lion without. I shall be slain in the streets. One of my favorite messages of all time. Calvin Jean preached, There is no lion in the street. The slothful man would rather stay in there in the house and be lazy and yell about a lion in the street when the truth is he's too lazy to get up off of his couch. He said that bum, like a lion carcass. And the truth is, if we're not careful, we can all get physically and spiritually lazy. Come on, how many know it's just true? Just say amen. We just know it's true. It's a part of our self-discipline. Let's look at self-multiplication. Grow by giving. Here's one thing that is just absolutely always true. If you're stagnant in your time in the Word, if you're stagnant in your own reading, if you're stagnant in... Listen, if you can't remember the last time you cracked a book open, (laughs) be involved in teaching or training someone else. It will motivate you. I promise you, line up a Bible study, you will not be stagnant. Get in a good Bible study where they ask you some off-the-wall question. One of those questions where you have to look back at them and you know you look like a deer in headlights. Um, um, well, I've been, uh, listen, I've been in Bible studies plenty of times where they ask me and in my mind I feel like I'm about to have an out-of-body experience. Like, number one, did they really just ask me that? Number two, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't even know if there's Bible for that. I don't even know if there's fiction for that. I'm not sure where that came from. You know what I have found is one of my greatest answers in a Bible study? I don't know. That's a, that's, that's a great question. Kind of. No, I usually just say, that's a, great, that's a great question. Let me get back to you. And then I got to go study. And every now and then I got to call a friend and say, hey, um, 
I don't know if you've ever been asked this. Are you sitting down? But it'll stretch you when you're investing in someone else. You cannot work the field while staying lazy. Okay? Self-multiplication, it'll happen if you get invested in teaching others. There's the principle there, okay? It's happening. Give, it'll be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Shall men give into your bosom for with the same measure that ye meet with all it shall be measured to you again. That's one of those statements I like to ask people, especially our, our leaders. We were meeting, uh, we were back here in prayer, pastoral prayer right before service on Sunday night. And, and, and I'm asking that question and I'm working through it. I love to do it with, uh, when I'm teaching, especially to a younger generation. I love to ask that question. I'm, I, if everyone gave like you, how blessed would the church be? Uh-huh. If everyone worshiped like you, what kind of church would you go to? If everyone, now listen, you might not be as demonstrative as, as everyone else, but please hear me right now. Just because you're a deep thinker doesn't give you a license to be a shallow worshiper. You, you still, you got to decide what kind of church do we, is this a Pentecostal church? Okay, so what's it like? What is it? Oh, pastor, here we go, getting on money, getting on money on a Wednesday night. I'm not, but I am saying this. You wouldn't walk into a restaurant anywhere in town. I said enough right there. That was enough. How about sparingly or bountifully? 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. This I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. I'm going to tell you the abundant blessings of this church, the blessings, not just physically, but also spiritually, is because we are so blessed at Calvary Tabernacle. This church is filled with people who give of their time, their resources, their finances, their energy, people that love the church, love the city. We are blessed to be a part of Calvary Tabernacle. I honor, I honor Brother Mooney, Brother Larson, Brother Urshan, the legacy that has been established here, the incredible clear vision that was cast by these leaders uh, teaching. I, I, I told someone here after coming after Brother Mooney had been for 32 years, I said it's so incredibly easy to preach to people who love the word when you follow a hero like that who loves the word and doctrine. But listen, ladies and gentlemen, we are blessed at Calvary Tabernacle. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, that's right, we're blessed. So let's do the second part of this. Take spiritual authority. Take spiritual authority, okay? It's, it's important. We gotta, I, gotta take, I gotta take personal responsibility. Yes, I do. But I wanna take spiritual authority. I want to be able to go to the next place in God. I want to move forward. I don't want to stay stagnant in the things of God. Here's not, here is, here is the opposite of what God's will would be. For you to show up every weekend just trying to get back to the level you were last weekend. At a great altar call. I want to get back to that feeling. That's not the will of God. 
The will of God is that we are spiritually mature enough that we get to a place in him and then we drive forward. Now, sure, you may, the gallon was spilled on Monday morning and you took a step back, but then you went ahead and you got in your devotion and you prayed back through it and, and you got a few steps down the road and then your boss came up and said what they said and you said, the devil is a lie. And, and you had to work. It's this, isn't it a back and forth? It's a, but... Week to week, we should be making progress. But progress will not be made if we are not intentional about it. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, when he called them unto his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. He gave that to them. To them. Listen, we have that power. Brother Senior, when we pray, we believe. Sister Koppel today had her scan. We're praying, believing God to do that work in her life. Listen, we thank God for what the doctors can do. But when the doctor's reports are negative, the church doesn't go, well, I guess we should stop praying. Because riddled throughout this building are the miraculous touches of God. Where when people said it was over, God said it wasn't. And so we believe in that. So we pray in such a way. We take spiritual authority. Let's talk about five concepts for the understanding and taking of spiritual authority. And I'm going to work through these quickly. First of all, calling. We have got to know the voice of God. We, you, everybody say I. I, I, you, you've got to know the voice of God. Here's the unique thing about God. He might speak different to you than me. For you, it might be a still small voice. For me, I might need a booming voice. For some of you, it will be a sunrise that's beautiful at just the right time. And all of a sudden, how many, when you just were not expecting it, all of a sudden those little hairs stand up all Ooh. What was that? God ministering. But listen, it's one thing to feel him. It's another thing to know and hear him. The description here that we have from the text in 1 Samuel chapter 3, learning the voice of God, not just hearing, but learning the voice of God. And it's got to be personal for and to you. I thank God that we can hear what's God saying to the church, but you have to know directly where you're at. What is God saying to my family? What is God saying to my home? What is God saying to me? That will not come without being intentional. It's the calling. It's it's that purpose or gifting there. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 7. When you look next here at the gifting. To every one of us is given grace. Woo thank God. According to the measure of the gift of Christ. Look at these next set of verses here. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, teachers. Remember this from last week? Go to verse 12. Let's fly through these fast. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come into 
in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness. Everybody say the fullness. The fullness of Christ. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. One more. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head. Here's what we're not called to be. We're not called to be easily moved from our calling itself. Okay? But the process that we started talking about, the process is riddled with problems. But God has given you that grace to work through the process. Okay? That placement for you comes from God. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. That last scripture, you're going to see it there. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. He has drawn a line, a circle around you. He has chosen you that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. I don't know what he's called me to be. Well, let me, let me help you with the start. He has called you to be like Him. And if you will work to be like Him, it will help you clearly define the rest of the process. Second thing, character. Walk worthy, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the calling. You young people up in the balcony, hear me. you got to walk worthy of the calling. Former U.S. Senator Alan Simpson said, if you have integrity, nothing else matters. And if you don't have integrity, nothing else matters. Isn't that the truth? you got to have integrity in every part of your life. you got to work for that. Your character matters. You can cancel a thousand good things with one negative one. Jesus confronted the character of the Pharisees. You got that in your own time. I'm skipping over that for the sake of time, but I think you've got that on the character of the Pharisees. Confront it. The problem is every now and then we've got to confront that Pharisee spirit that wants to raise up in us. We don't want to talk about that, but every now and then I got to look myself in the mirror and I got to confront that spirit that wants to rise up because that's a spirit of flesh. It's a spirit of uh, or that's a spirit trying to get a hold of my flesh and trying to get my flesh to bend. And listen, my character, it matters if I'm gonna walk in spiritual authority. Number three, commitment. Spiritual authority depends on full commitment. Everybody wants a crown, but few want a drink from the cup. Commitment matters. Vision versus commitment. John Maxwell said vision gets you going, but commitment keeps you growing. Vision gets you going, but commitment keeps you growing. Joshua 24 
and 15. If it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you're going to serve, whether the gods of your fathers that served on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And all of our kids that are scattered around the church today and teenagers and young adults and everybody all over the place, listen, to the adults that are in the room right now, this is us. This is us standing up and saying, listen, as for me and my house, as for me and my house, we are committed to serving the Lord. Okay? To serve the Lord, to be fully and completely committed to the call of God on your life and on your family, you cannot serve multiple gods. You cannot make money your idol. You cannot make your job your idol. You cannot make their basketball team your idol. You cannot make her desire to be loved your idol. Okay? You can't, the fact that you want your daughter to be popular. I'm not meddling. I'm, I'm, I'm helping right here. Okay? Praise God. Consistency. What should it look like? Saul's inconsistency opened him up and ultimately destroyed him. 1 Samuel 16 and 14 and then 31 and 4 show us that inconsistency of Saul. When Saul was inconsistent, it destroyed him. That troubling spirit came from the Lord. That's the scariest part of the whole thing. It was a tormenting spirit allowed by God. Hmm. Imagine that. But Daniel's consistency kept him. Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10. Go there to Daniel 6 and 10. Keep going forward. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed. And gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Well, it was easier for Daniel. No, it wasn't. None of you have been at the point of being put in a lion den. Okay? None of you were one lion's den away from becoming a veggie tail. <clears throat> Sorry, some of y'all can't get the song out of your mind now. Consistency matters. We got to walk in the Spirit. Romans chapter 8 here. Romans 8 verses 1 through 4. Therefore is no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Somebody shout after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Verse 4, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. I'm not asking if you had a bad day. I'm asking what are you walking after? We cannot walk after the flesh 
Paul said, walk after the Spirit. And last, as you're standing with me, conviction. Spiritual authority resonates from a heart of conviction. You know, let me say this, and I'm doing my best just to teach, doing my best to be calm, but we need a fresh baptism of conviction. Conviction. You need, con- you need convictions that maybe they don't have. Because maybe they can handle it without their ego getting out of balance. But for you, it's a thing. How many, how many know that there are certain, that if we're seeking the face of God, there are certain convictions He will give us. Now, here's the wrong thing. Don't try to make your personal conviction gospel for someone else. That then becomes judgment against them. If it's a lifestyle discipline, if it's text, okay? If they get out of the book, if it's pastoral, let the pastor handle it. Okay? But if the only convictions you have are the ones that you're called in the office, if you don't... (laughs) I got tight. Got quiet. Do you hear how quiet it got? Hear a mouse in the back of the church licking eyes. Need, need convictions on our own. Convictions, convictions, convictions. Why don't you go? Everybody goes. I don't go because you don't know it, but, but I used to struggle with alcohol. And so I, don't, I know everybody eats there, but for me, it reminds me. Don't let people dumb down your conviction. You need convictions. And I promise you this, time in prayer will yield convictions. They will. Go, go uh, sometime tomorrow maybe. Go walk, through a, go walk through Hebrews. Work through that great hall of faith and consider some of those people. Consider, consider the passionate faith of some of those people and then you tie it, dovetail it together with the conviction of their life. The conviction of their life, the spiritual authority that they have, that they were able to live out through their life, walking out looking for city whose builder and maker was God. Hebrews 11, this hall of faith, you see it, the way that it plays out. Their conviction to the will of God leaves them labeled as people who walked in spiritual authority. The truth is it was, their, it was their faith in God. But faith will make you strong. Faith in God that is, it is built and cultivated in time with Him, it'll make you square your shoulders and look hell in the face and take that authority over the attack against your mind, the attack against your family, the attack against your marriage... The, On and on and on and on. But for some of us, the reason that we don't get there is we can't even take an offensive approach to the attack against our prayer. I want us to have a spiritual authority because we are made for more than just surviving. Amen.